It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week's episode of Beyond Reason is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you want a piece of fine pottery or a painting to die for, check out Nodakian Studios at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nodakian Studio. Welcome to Beyond Reason. A show for those who dare to have an open mind. Now here's your host, Justin Cancellari. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new Beyond Reason, the show for those who dare to have an open mind. I am your host, Justin Cancellari, and tonight I've got a pretty interesting show for you. I'm going to be bringing on Cisco Murdoch and Steve Stockton to talk about their co-authored book, We Are the Children in the Wilderness of the Afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Both Cisco and Steve have gone through some pretty interesting journeys through the paranormal, has had numerous encounters as well as experiences and they've compiled them into this book Uh, and Steve has done other books as well about his own personal experiences so I'm going to be bringing them on to talk to them about these interesting parts of their life. Cisco and Steve welcome to Beyond Reason. How are you doing this evening? Doing good thanks. Thanks for having us on Justin. Thanks Justin. Well, I've listened to you guys on a couple of other shows and I wanted to get you guys on because the we are all children in the wilderness of the afterlife is just an amazing book. Not Thank you. I mean not just because it's by you Cisco because I love you, <laughs> but also love because you. it's an eclectic collection of the different things that you've gone through and it, um it's one of those things that people don't get down in books. They get what their expertise on stuff is and that sort of thing. I don't think very many people come out with their experiences, unlike you too, Steve. You've got a couple of books about your experiences, right? Uh, Yes, that's correct. So I think it's uh, a good idea for you guys to do something like that because many people want to do books on hauntings, on stuff that they're doing research on, not what's happened to them. So that's why I wanted to get you guys on. But before we get started, what inspired you to get this all out on, on paper as it were? Do you want me to take that one, Steve? Yeah, go ahead. Since we're mainly talking about your book or you did the heavy lifting on it. <laughs> I could have pulled my back out a couple times too. <laughs> um, well, the short end of that story is Zariah Askath has a wonderful podcast. Um, a lot of us are familiar with him and he usually touches on the same stuff that we do and you, Justin. And uh, I did a listener story uh, with one of his episodes and he just happened to 
send me an email and said, hey, I think I know a guy that you would like to talk to that had a lot of the same type of experiences. He's kind of in the same type of wheelhouse. Um, here's his email. I already got his permission. Give him a call. Talk to him. We got in touch with each other, Steve and I, and um, we talked for like four hours straight. And over a that, couple, that was just the first call, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and and it, over a couple of years, uh, we started doing podcasts and things together. It just happened to you know a lot of the things that I experienced, he's experienced, are similar or has stories of, and um, just really clicked. And he has a story about telling about his grandma uh, who passed and all the stories she told him, and he kind of backed me into a corner and said, look, if you don't put these stories down, you've got some great stories. They're going to die when you die. And you know that you don't want that. And you know, that's the whole reason Steve writes the books he writes. And I, he really changed my mind about it. I never wanted to be that person by the book, by the book, by the book. I never wanted to be that person. But if you approach it the way I've tried to approach it, I'm basically just writing that book. For my like 10 year old self, my preteen self who was looking for answers. And I just thought, you know, if there's anybody out there looking to match their experiences up, that's what I tried to do. Now, you've been sensitive from a very young age, correct? Yes. And Steve, you've been sensitive as well, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Saw my, my first uh, ghost full body apparition when I was six. When you were six, okay. And and had some lesser experiences before that, but that was the, the one that really got the ball rolling. Now, for the both of you, um, has it been a um, kind of like a thing where these spirits are seeking you out because of they can tell that you're a sensitive? Do you think? Do you think so, Steve? Uh, yeah, it's it's somewhat been my experience like that. I think that happens more with you than it does me. But I've, I've definitely had spirits, if you will, seek me out just because I'm you know I'm willing to listen. Like like anybody that you know has got a story to tell, you got to have a listener. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so. And I think both in some cases. I mean, rarely do I go looking for it. I mean, I'm not really, uh, I'm not in any group where we go out, you know, investigating, things like that. I have had the, uh, the chance to go uh, with a couple of investigation groups here just, you know, recently and uh, been brought in after the fact by a couple of people. But um, you know, I'm not really understanding. I'm still learning all about the energies. As soon as you think that you've got it, something happens and changes your mind. So I do think that some human spirits are attracted to, say, let's say, your light or mm-hmm. if you're sensitive or plastic. I do believe that. I also believe that some are just attracted to maybe something you're going through, whether it be depression or um, you know, a wedding day or, you know, you're missing your family or a loss of a child or, you know, I think enter, like attracts like. I really do in a lot mm-hmm. of ways think that. So I think it's a little bit of both for me, okay. you know. The reason the I ask is because I've had mediums and whatever tell me that 
they're a beacon to them. And I'm a sensitive as well. So I, I don't really, it's hard to fall on one side or the other. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, is that really the case or is it like you're saying they can even just hone on your particular emotion and maybe they died and that's, that's their unfinished business and that sort of thing. And that's why they come to you at that particular time. Similar, similar. I think, well, here's the, here's the deal. Here's the great big picture. If we back up a minute, I think that they're everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think that all of them are stuck in one spot. Now, how do they travel through whatever they travel through, whether it be like in between worlds or just in another plane, whatever you want to say, I, I have no clue. But they do seem to be drawn to certain things, whether it be like an atmosphere, like say a bar or, you know, or the place that they died or, um, you know, other spirits like collecting into a house for whatever reason, maybe somebody there has you know, a, a lot of light they're putting out because if there, I've found many that might've died in a car accident or a plane accident, you know, a couple of miles down the road and they're drawn to that household. So I've heard so many different theories. Um, I think it's all true depending on which one you're talking about at what time. You know, I, I have had been in a spot and had them drawn to me. Um, I would assume if I'm not looking, they find me. Um, but most of mine, believe it or not, are crossover spirits that are trying to get a message to, say, a loved one. So basically, I feel like I've walked up into their energy and they go, hey, wait a minute. She's got a light. Let me see. That just happens to be my particular thing. But I can, if I go into a situation and I calm myself down and I get myself into that headspace, I can try my very best with help, either dousing rods or recorder or something along those lines, confirming what I'm feeling, I can communicate with the dead who have not crossed over. That's my particular package. <laughs> okay. It doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, I know everybody's I know it, in, a, in a certain spot of it so I mean if yeah. you can hone in on whatever it is that you're good at then yeah I mean it does make sense and right I, you know it's you've got so many stories in this book and I've heard the the, the snot hag story and <laughs> that one in and of itself would have been super frightening at the age you were at but in all of the stories that you have in the book or even that aren't in the book, um, is there any that stick out to you where it was like so memorable that you can still go back and, and feel the feelings that yes. you did at the time? Yes. And that, that would be, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think I relive it just out of survival, you know, and that's the way I've, I've dealt with my grief is I refocus on those experiences. And that would be in the chapter that the book is named for. We are all children in the wilderness of the afterlife. And in that chapter, I talk about my mom. And I say, isn't it great if you were lucky enough to have a parent or a grandparent or, or a mentor of some kind that taught you the most in life that you use through life? My mother would have to be it. 
because I, I mean, I lost her at a very young age. I lost her at 12. Um, really, you know, her last year was, uh, spent in and out of the hospital and, you know, that kind of thing. She had a very long lingering disease, but boy, did she pack a lot of knowledge in that time. And I thought we were done, you know, but then she came to me multiple times as I tried very hard to carefully explain it throughout that chapter. Um, even before she passed, I had an experience where I still can't explain it, um, where I went to go see her and I knew it would be the last time I was going to see her, uh, at the hospital. I just knew it. And I never said anything to anybody. I just played it all off. But I, I, I had forgot to pick up something that one of her friends had given me. And I was on the elevator to go down with, uh, some other family members who were going to go to breakfast. And I forgot last second. And I said, I got to go back and get it. Cause I had a feeling we weren't going back, even though I was told we were. And I ran back in there to grab it. And as I'm going in the door, I don't know how to describe it because it all happens so fast. It takes longer to describe it than it actually happened. But you know, when you're a little kid and you're barreling into a room and you put your hands up on the door jam to slow yourself down. So you're not running into the room. Mm. I had my hands up on the, you know, as, as I ran into the door of her, uh, hospital room and I, my foot, I promise you, my foot was in mid step and stopped and everything just really quick. It was like a, a vacuumy kind of buzzing feeling. Everything seemed to go kind of darker. Like the light went out of the room, not completely dark. I could still see everybody, but it dimmed. Everybody's voice went from just a normal, talking to real slow like that. I mean, it was just real, like, like somebody just slowed down a record click and everybody was slow moving. Like everybody was underwater all of a sudden, something like that. And I looked and now my mom is sitting up in the bed. She's got a pillow. She's kind of hugging a pillow and she's sitting up and bend her heads down and sitting alongside of her was a nun. And she looked like she was in constant prayer. It was a Catholic hospital. And she looked like she was in constant prayer. And I just kind of looked at my, I, I didn't, I couldn't even move my head. I just moved my eyes and I looked toward my mom. And all of a sudden, as everything else is getting dimmer in the room, there's this light kind of emanating from my mom and it just keeps growing and growing. And as that I'm realizing that's happening, she's lifting her head and she turns her head to look at me. And she smiles and I could hear her speaking to me in her voice, but her mouth was not moving. It was completely telepathic, just as clear as I'm talking to you right now. And she's basically telling me, I have to go. Um, you're going to be okay. I love you. It's going to be all right, but I, I have to go. I will be watching you. I will be near you. I won't leave you. And she's repeating this and a couple of other little things very quickly. And she, like I said, her mouth never moved. I'm just frozen. And I'm watching this. And I'm like trying to say, and I can't move. I can't say anything. And I listened to her finish. And she just smiled. She like continued her smile. And then she turned her head. And the minute she put her head, like bowed her head back down, everything came back to life. 
everything sped back up. The light came back on in the room. My foot hit the floor and I continued my walk, you know, or my quick run into the room, grabbed the bag of oranges that I came in for, turned around and was halfway back out the door before I even realized what happened. I can't explain that. Hmm. And nobody I've talked to can explain that. And I got on the elevator and I'm stunned. Um, luckily at the time going through what I was going through, nobody asked me a lot of questions, you know, like what's the matter with you? Or nobody's asking me. Everybody's just assuming I'm having a hard time because you know, my mom's in the hospital and dying, you know, so they kind of left me alone. I stayed real quiet and I kept looking around like, who do I tell this to? Nobody was going to believe me. So I kept my mouth shut. And I think a lot of people that have things like that happen don't tell, you know? So what was that? You know, I've spent what, 40 some odd years trying to figure out what that was. But somewhere along the line, Justin, I just came to happy sitting on the fence of a mother's love. You know, uh, maybe she had some ability to mm -hmm. and mustered it all up to let me know because we didn't have a chance to speak. I wasn't getting to see her every day. You know, I wasn't we weren't getting that chance to sit in a room and talk it out. You know, um, I don't know exactly what that is. I cannot explain it. People will say like you went through a time warp or you went through a, the portal of what I don't know. I, you know, I really don't know, but I know she found a way to get me a message. And a couple of weeks later, the phone rang as I was going down the stairs and just from the phone ringing, I knew she was gone. And um, my aunt later confirmed it about half hour later. She came downstairs and told me and I knew I just knew I just went through this whole time of just understanding and knowing. And soon after that, I started waking up and she would be in my room or sitting on my bed or standing in the corner. And she never stuck around long enough for me to speak to her. But she was definitely what I am comfortable saying was in her death state. Do you understand what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. She was still in pain. There were times I woke up and I honestly believe it was the pain, feeling her pain, that woke me up because it was devastating. It was all through your body and sharp and just, oh. And I'd wake up and she would be there. And I would try to train myself because every time I would be surprised to see her and I would say something, Mom. And she would look startled and poof, she's gone. And I mean poof. I don't mean twinkled out. I don't mean sucked out of the room or faded away. I mean poof, gone. So I went through this. That probably went on for about a year, year and a half, maybe longer. And it was every once in a while. It wasn't every week. It wasn't every couple of days. It was just, you know, sprinkled throughout. And I always thought I was scaring her away and I didn't want to do that and um you know that's a lot to go through as a kid you know um but then I started thinking as I got older did she even know that she was coming to visit me or maybe she was in some state and just thinking about me and she was as startled as I was to find herself there there's so many questions there but I I did realize that she was still in her death state. And as I 
thought about it and I worked through it, I was thinking, okay, I'm, maybe I'm holding her back with my own grief or something along those lines, or she's worried about me, so she's not going. And then I started getting on the mission of getting her to cross over. I don't want you to be stuck here. So I started going through things to try to get her to cross over as best I could. And I don't know when she did, but she did, finally. Do you think she was trying to wait it out just so that she knew you were okay? Like that she, she was making that her unfinished business to just make sure you were all right? I think so. I think so. If if she was doing it in a conscious manner where she was coming and just sitting with me, um, I do. I do think that. But because she always seemed startled when she found out I knew she was there, that one always confounded me. That always made me think, maybe I'm scaring her. And then later on, I thought, maybe she doesn't even realize where she is. And she's just, we're, we're sharing a second in time where she realizes she's there and she sees me. I, you know, I don't know. But uh, at one point in time, I mean, it took a lot of time for me to keep to where I felt like she let go and she went ahead and crossed over. I don't, I couldn't tell you the exact moment in that, but I just felt like, okay. And I had to go through a lot of rituals. I tried everything, you know, writing a letter. Uh, I always still recommend that to people who want to do something like that. Write it all down, read it to yourself, put it in an envelope, take it outside the bonfire and burn it, send it up. That's kind of Native American. We send a lot of stuff up in smoke. But it felt good. It felt right. Or, you know, um, I, I can remember one time when I was really having a hard time, I went on, sat, sat on the beach and uh, by the jetty and, you know, finished off a bottle of wine and then just chucked the bottle into the ocean. And to me, that was like letting it go. You know, there was a lot of, you know, going through all that. And I think everybody goes through something. They all go through little rituals of grief and letting go. And then, they think that's it. They go, nope, I got to do another one. <laughs> I got to do something else. You know, I think we all kind of go through that. But at one point in time, I, I know she did because um, the night before I went into basic training into the army, I was at my sister's house. I had sold all my stuff and given away stuff, you know, tried to, you know, downsize, you know. I wasn't needing anything. I was going away and I didn't plan on coming back. And, uh, I was, I was excited. People would say, okay, well, you were scared to go. No, not me, man. I was all in. I was like excited. I was like, man, I got my stuff. I'm ready to go. And, uh, I heard my sister's back door open. Now this was really odd because my sister has this very nautical colonial setting going on her house, like a museum. And she had this fishing net on this back door against glass. It was filled with shells and those Chinese fishing glass ball things. Mm-hmm. And when you opened the door, it made a certain clank, clank noise with those things hitting against the glass. And when you closed it, it oddly enough, it made another kind of sound. It had like an extra clank in it or something. But you could tell in that house when one of her four daughters came home, you know, or, or somebody else was coming in the back door. You just knew it. It was the sound the house knew. And I sat up thinking I was catching one of my nieces coming in after curfew. And I, I can remember actually saying, man, you're going to get it. You better sneak in the back. You know, your mom's going to get you. And because uh, they're all teenagers at the time. And I look up and there's nobody there. And I'm looking at the door like, OK, quit screwing around. I got to get up early. 
you know, just do whatever you're doing. I'm yelling at nobody there. I, I really thought it was one of my teenage nieces, you know, pulling a prank. And as I'm looking at this door, I start to see the sparkle. That's exactly what it was. It was like sparkles, you know, all in a cluster and they kept getting bigger and bigger. And then there was more light in it and just kept growing, kind of got bigger till it got about person size. And then all of a sudden I could see a person standing in it and it's my mom and she looks good and she looks better and I'm not feeling any pain. I'm not feeling any, I'm just feeling this warm rush of pure love. And it was my mom and she looked fantastic. She looked 20 years younger, big smile on her face. And she was almost standing there going like, look at me, I'm better, you know? Mm. And again, she talked to me without moving her mouth, all telepathically. And she told me that she was proud of me. I was doing, you know, I was doing good, you know, a little, little talk like that. And I'm trying to speak, but you're dumbfounded when this happens. And she finally got to the part where she says, you won't be seeing me for a while, but I'll be near you. I'll be, I'll be watching. And I was able to blurt out, but you got to tell me, am I doing the right thing? Cause going in the army is a big, huge deal, you know? And, and she just looked at me. She shook her head from side to side with this big smile on her face as if to say, uh, uh, uh. And she said, I can't tell you that. You have to do it on your own, but I love you. And then, and it did go down the sparkles again and out the door. And doggone it if I didn't hear that door open and close and the door never moved. Huh. Yeah, right? Well, it's But that taught me a lot, Dustin. Yeah, it's interesting that she came back to you after she had crossed over because I've had plenty of people tell me that once they cross over, they go back to whatever state that they were most healthy at. And mm-hmm. I, she looked good. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's different I'm just for every you, person, you know, yeah, what how healthy they were, like. For my grandfather, for example, I had someone tell me that he looked like he was when he was younger and going into the Navy. Okay. And, but to me, even though he was older, he always seemed healthy to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe that was the state he was happiest at, too. I mean, I've often heard many times, I'm sure you have too, Steve, that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they can come back to what you're going to best recognize them as. If you knew him as a kid, if you knew him as a young boy or a young man, like going to the Navy or as an older grandpa, sometimes that, you know, certain, certain, um, uh, I want to say spirits at this time, because if they've crossed over, I say spirits, but that doesn't, it's not right or wrong, you know, right. uh, y- you know, uh, certain spirits can do that. You know, I've seen spirits come back visitation wise and come back, look different to several different people as far as, you know, age or, um, you know, something like that. I've seen that happen. I think she just chose to come back like that to show me I'm better. Look at me, you know, Um, because her hair was done. She was different clothes. She wasn't in the hospital gown anymore. I mean, when she was seeing coming in my room. She still had the white band, uh, you know, the hospital thing they put on your wrist. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. She still even had that, you know. And I mean, she was she was bent like she was in pain. I mean, this woman was battered with with illness. I mean, and fought, fought, fought for a very long time. Very, very strong woman. And um, she she battled, you know, and she. It took her out, it, but it took her out slow and it took her out completely. And when she came back, she was ready to go out dancing. I mean, she was, you know, and I was like, wow. So that's why I say she's my greatest teacher. And she hasn't stopped. There's been, you know, plenty of other things that she still continues to do to show me, you know. And, and, and that's why I said she's been my greatest teacher in life and my greatest teacher in death. And it gives me so much hope and it gives me enough, enough hope, enough to where I can say concrete hope mixed with everything else I've experienced and all the other experiences I've had with people coming to give other people messages or crossing people over and having them come back in a visitation dream, say, or in another instance and let me know that they're okay now, they, they made it, they're good to go. Um, where I can tell people have hope and be sure about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that's so cool to be able to do, you know, especially yeah. if somebody lost, you know, even if they've lost a pet, you know, right. or something those lines. But it doesn't mean that I don't get sad. And I know Steve feels the same way. I mean, he's had experiences like that, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I was just uh, listening to you there. You got, love to hear your, your stories. But yeah, I've, I've never had that kind of visitation from a loved one. But I did have the thing with my mother who saw her mother who had been dead for several years, um, a year to the day before she passed away. So uh, thankfully, I, I won't see any of my family because that may mean I've got a, a year to get my stuff together. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, after that it happened. It was October twenty second, two thousand two. Um, my mom and dad uh, were in poor health, and I came back with my teenage daughter to to stay with them and help take care of them. Uh, I was at work. My daughter was at school. My dad was doing the shopping, and my mom had gotten out of the shower and was was drying off, put on a robe, and she looked up. She opened the doorway to let the steam out of the room. She looked up in the doorway, and there stood her mother in the pink dress that she was buried in, didn't say anything, but it just they made eye contact. And uh, my mom said there was another person with her that she couldn't see. She could just see the hem of their dress. They were wearing a gingham skirt. And then after a while, she thought that maybe that's what one of her mother's sisters had been buried in. But anyway, she saw two people there, and um, she just kind of looked at her for a minute and said, Mama? And so the, the figure just, without actually physically walking, it just moved backwards down the hallway toward my mom and dad's bedroom and she steps out into the hall nothing there the bedroom door is still closed she throws the bedroom door open nothing in there nothing disturbed and it was a year to the day october 22nd uh, 2003 my mom passed away so yeah i just um, i hope that i don't see any relatives because if i do it's going to make me think i've only got a year to live <laughs> well see what were your thoughts when uh Cisco had talked about the time slowing down when her mom was passing and communicating with her. What are your thoughts on that? 
Now, I've had similar experience of that, not with the communication, but I have experienced the time slow down. feels like all the air is sucked down the room. First time I experienced that, oddly enough, was when my grandmother died. My mom's mother died. I was in the, the hospital room with uh, aunts and uncles and, and my mom and everybody, and it was just, it was like time stood still, like everybody froze. The room got brighter. And it was like a deafening silence is the only way I can describe it. And then all of a sudden, the the lighting kind of grew back to the way it was. And then people, you know, started talking and moving and things again. And then I experienced almost exactly the same thing when my mother passed. I was in the room with her in 2003 when she passed away. Same thing, like, like being in a vacuum is the only way I can describe it what it must be like to be in a vacuum, but then it was just over, and then everything started back, and people started moving around again. The nurses were in there because they were doing a code on her because she had flatlined, and it just, it's, I don't know, I've talked to other people that have had similar experiences to that, where it's, but I've had that happen in other circumstances, too. I was in a horrific car wreck once, and it seemed like time stood still. It's like everything was in slow motion, all sound, everything stopped, and then it all just came back. And I've had a similar experience in the woods, which I've talked about, where I was in the Great Smokies, and the woods grew absolutely silent. I mean, you couldn't hear the wind, you couldn't hear a bird, you couldn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden it just came back like somebody turning up a volume knob. And that, that to me was really frightening being in the outdoors. If you follow David Politis, any of his research and stuff, you know that that's usually uh, a forebear of something about to happen or something that is happening. So, Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that... Uh Sasquatch or dogmen sightings, it kind of happens that way where there's no sound when they spot the thing. And then mm-hmm. once it finally leaves the area, everything comes back. Mm-hmm. I've had the same thing in the woods. Steve and I have talked about it many a time, but through my you know, training with certain elders, uh, Native American elders and stuff like that, they would tell me, you back up tracks. Just, you know, if you can move, just back your tracks and go back out. And that's exactly what I did. And of course, in these cases, you never know, well, what if I continued on? You know, it's just like having a gut feeling, don't get on the elevator. Well, unless the elevator falls, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that, you know, that validation that you were right, right. you know. <laughs> I did the same thing as soon as I could move again, which, you know, I was kind of stunned. I, and I'd wandered off the trail, which is something I usually don't do. I was hiking part of the Appalachian Trail that goes through the Smokies. And I'd wandered off the trail to look at something or I don't even remember what it was. But it was just like something was telling me, OK, you need to get back on the trail and get out of here. And then another instance, uh, also in the Smokies, but in a different area, uh, and I was off trail that time, too. I think I need to stay on the trail whenever I go. But um, I wandered yep. into a place, and I found a clearing that I can only describe as it looked magical. And right in the middle of this clearing, there was a big old tree, like an oak tree. And I thought, man, that is that looks so awesome. I just want to sit down here and, and rest for a few minutes, maybe even take a nap. And I just I really had to fight the urge to pull to just, you know, sit down, take it easy. It was like almost like the, the forest was lulling me into a, 
a false sense of security. Yeah, you'll be fine. Just sit down, relax, rest. And as soon as I could, I got out of there because I think I would have been one of those people that would have sat down and went to sleep and I never would have been seen or heard from again and they'd find no trace of me, which uh, unfortunately happens frequently in the Smokies. There's a lot of people that have disappeared without a trace going back decades. Now that sounds kind of like a some of the folklore that have to do with the, the fae or the fairies where mm-hmm. they lull you into an area. Sometimes they get you to eat something. Sometimes they have you fall asleep, that sort of thing. Do you think that was kind of what was going on? Uh, I believe so. I've had experiences with, with what I consider the, the fae before and uh, also elementals. And then I've known other people I had an uncle that uh, was following what he termed as a fairy light and uh, walked off of a bluff. It was not high enough that it hurt him very bad, but he's like, I was following somebody who looked like somebody with a lantern. He was out hunting, and it led him right off of about a 10 or 12-foot drop, uh, went back the next day, and the barrel of his shotgun was still sticking in the ground where he'd fallen off the the bluff. But it, it shook him up because he's like, you know, it didn't. I didn't see the drop or any of that. I was just thought it was another hunter or somebody because he knew the people in that area and thought, you know, it's, it's one of the people. But whatever was carrying the light crossed the little chasm there, and uh, he wasn't so fortunate. Hmm. Pretty now, wild, huh? Cisco, have you ever come across anything where you felt like it's a non-human entity? Oh, sure, sure, yeah. And, and it's a totally different feeling. I think you and I talked about this once before, Justin, and maybe, maybe it was on another, your other podcast. But, and that's the only thing I have to fall back on where people say, okay, if you're getting a message from something, how do you know what you're getting it from? You know, how do you know it's something that's not tricking you into doing something? Well, in my case, I cannot speak for anybody else. In my case, it goes through all my filters that I've become, spent, what, 50 years being familiar with. And unless it's able to, sh- to, to send out that feeling of just pure love and kindness and it's a warmth and it's just, just a different kind of feeling throughout everything in my all my senses. And it's usually a message of love or you know, for for instance, I'm in a grocery store and I, I can feel this feeling, but I also feel something else coming and it's very sick and it doesn't, it's it's depressed, it's a depressed feeling and it's an energy and it's moving and the and the feeling of love and this tingling sensation, my hair's going up on my arms and back of my neck, you know, all the normal things you hear mm-hmm. and all my filters are, you know, my signals are going off and the feeling of this love uh, and warmth is standing right next to me. The other feel, the other thing is moving and it's getting closer, but it's coming closer. And the whispering in my ear, I always get it in my right side. Uh, usually if it's a crossed over spirit and not in my head, in my right ear, outside of my head and saying here, he actually said, here comes my love. She's giving up. Please tell her I'm okay. And he's repeating this. Here comes my love, my love. And I've got no idea what's coming. Here comes his love. I don't know. I'm standing there looking at vitamins. Minding my own business. 
here comes this. And I'm just, I'm stuck. I can't move. He's talking and this thing's getting near me. And all of a sudden this lady comes around a corner and he's like, and, and he, before she ever got there, he actually said to me, she's so beautiful. She can't give up. She can't give up. And I'm expecting, you know, I don't know, Victoria's Secret model coming around the corner, I guess. I don't know. And all of a sudden here comes this lady and she's on a cane and she's pushing her, 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 her carriage with one hand, just barely making the corner. And she's got a little limp, but by gosh, she's getting, you know, she's getting over there and she's coming closer and I know it's her. And he says, you have to tell her, you have to tell her. That puts me in the position of how dare I walk up to this woman and try to tell her this. Right. And it also puts me in the position of how dare I not. Do you see? Right. It's like, it's not my pick to, to not give her this message. This might be what this woman needs to, you know, make her day. She also might hit me with that cane. So that's <laughs> the kind of situation that I'm you knew it. You, do you see what I'm saying? Right. But yes, your original question. Yes, I can tell the difference because I've walked into places where I absolutely know there is something so bad here, you know, and I mean, I can kind of tell the difference between, okay, we're dealing with a non-human entity that's ancient. Hmm. I don't know how else to explain it. Right. That has been here for a very long time and I can tell when somebody has something that's just very bad attached to them. It's like a gray darkness um, and it's a feeling and you can almost put your hand through it. I've literally taken my hand and put it on somebody's head just to say, Hey, wait a minute, you got something, you know, let me get that little fluff out of your hair or something just to touch him for a second. Cause I'm like, okay, it's not coming out of, out of him. It's coming from behind him. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can tell the difference. But if if something, am I able to, I'm not an expert, am I able to say that something that's ancient and that evil could manifest all the things it would have to manifest that would be pure love and pure warmth and pure goodness and make me feel that? Do I know that they have, who am I to say they couldn't do that? But they're not giving me messages, trickster messages, like, you know, go up, kick that cane out from under her. <laughs> he's telling me, he's telling me to go up and tell her, keep fighting. I'm fine. You know, and he's giving me little messages that only she, and the sparkle came back in her, in her eyes. And she's just, <gasps> you know, mm. and I'm like, man, I'm so sorry to intrude on your day, but I can <sighs> I cannot with a whole heart not give you this message. Does this mean anything to you? You know, and I will give her the message, you know, and that's how I do it. And I try not to do that. And it's not like every day I'm walking around like Long Island medium and going, hi, I'm a medium and I have a message. Right. You have this. You have I can't, I can't do that. But if somebody is pressing me and telling me, uh, you not you need to tell her I'm okay, you know. Give her this message. Tell her this. Tell her, you know, the handkerchief she has in her purse, whatever is, you know, I gave it to her. It's something along those lines, and she needs to stop because she was she was willing herself to die, and he didn't want her to do that. She wasn't finished yet. He was saying, you know. So I mean, what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, there's yeah. times I walked away and I felt horrible. And I feel really uh, 
like I've been punched, like like maybe they're standing by and hitting me or something. I don't know. Like I had you had the I had the chance. I've been looking for somebody for thirty years to do this, and you walked away. I'm getting that kind of feeling, and I'd much rather be hit with a cane or have her walk off and call me a witch or something. Right. But I gave her the message. I gave her the message. So I don't, I don't know. Does that answer your question? It's oh, so yeah. hard to answer. <laughs> it makes it, sense. Because we've both had people come to us and say there are no spirits. There are no angels. They're all demons. And they're all trying to take you. And they're all... I, I've never had that. You know, I've only had good messages. And Steve, you've had them too. Steve's extremely sensitive. He's an empath as well. And he's yeah. And uh, I had a religious context on it because my my brother was a pastor and we would get these people in church sometimes that would always be like well you know i, I feel like I, I hear a voice tell me to do this but i don't know if it's god or if it's satan and my brother would say well you, you have to learn to discern you know if if it doesn't exhort if it doesn't edify if it doesn't comfort it's not god plus god's not going to tell you to do something that's contrary to the word of god so that's kind of always been my rule of thumb you know if the old saying, you know, God told me to skin you alive. I'm, I'm not going to buy into that. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of it. I've only had messages of love. And like I said, I don't know what you call whatever I have. I always joke with Steve. I, I say, I'm not a medium. I'm more of an extra small, you know, <laughs> because I don't, I don't really consider that. But I guess in some cases I have been a medium and all a medium really is, is a bridge right? from, right. From dead to the living. That's all that is. It sounds so, you know, and it can be, you know, it's, of course, it seems miraculous, you know, why wouldn't it? But, um, yeah, I, I don't seek that out. There's no way that I can in my, in what I, I do, I don't seek that out. I struggle to speak to the dead that are already, that are here and have not crossed because to me, to me, that's like a devastation. And one of the first chapters in the book, I try to start it off with some of my first experiences. And that wasn't my very first experience, but it was the experience I felt was fair to the reader to start with because I remembered it so clearly and there was no doubt in my mind. I've had other ones where somebody sat on my bed and spoke to me or I saw things in the garage or I mean, excuse me, in the barn or the cellar, but I wasn't sure. But I started with a story that I was spot on sure you know and wanted to take it that way and it turns out to be it's um a revolutionary war soldier that everybody else seems after years later i found out that they were very afraid of i wasn't that afraid of mine didn't get evil off of him i got depression i got sadness i got anxiety i got scared um desperate but I didn't get, boo, you know, like, I want to scare you. Like, you know, even though we did things that really, really scared you, I wasn't getting that feeling. And I always felt sorry for that guy. And I always felt bad. I was taken away from the situation without being able to help him. And I think I've been trying to help the dead ever since, if that makes sense. Well, that's the thing, though, too. People feel something that's not necessarily good. So they just associate, well... If I'm not getting a good feeling off of it, it must be an evil entity. And, you know, a lot of people will not try to discern. Like, 
Steve was saying, yeah. they don't try to discern things. And then you only have the one and the other. You don't have the, the gray center where it, it could be something as simple as they died and they were either they were depressed when they died or they're, they're yes. depressed that they are dead and can't mm-hmm. move on because yeah. they have something that is keeping them here. Um, mm-hmm. the, the funny thing is um, my wife and I just got back from Vegas and we went into this shop and the, the two um, I'm assuming they were the owners of the shop or they, they ran the shop um, were talking and they said something about if you hear loud noises, that's just the ghost upstairs. And they both started cackling. So <laughs> then my wife, we walked away and my wife goes up to the gate lady at the register and, and says, are, the, are there really, is there really a ghost here? Because my husband can feel something here. And she's like, Oh, I don't know about that, but yeah, we do have a ghost. And I'm like, okay, you can believe in having a ghost, but you can't believe that people can pick up on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Isn't it funny the little pockets people put themselves in? That's why I, you know, I, I, there's certain, I tell, I keep mentioning this thing, this fence, because there's some things that I'm sitting on the fence and I got a leg over both sides and I'm just waiting, Right. you know? And then there's some things that I'm, I'm pretty sure I've spent enough time on it. I'm pretty comfortable throwing my leg over and some jumping right over the other side. I'm just going to stand here until, you know, I get more of a new fact or a new instance that I can go over that might change it because that's this subject. But there are certain things I feel comfortable with as far as saying, you know, uh, you know where my heart's at. And that would be, you know, if we are talking about a human being, the, who, who, for whatever reason, has passed on, whatever state they may be, whether they were a jerk when they were alive and they're still a jerk, or if they were angry, you know, des- you know, depressed, mean person, they could still very well be a ghost in that state, or just a sweet person who has no idea what's happened and they're kind of stuck. And I think they kind of stick themselves in a spot, like create their own kind of a cage because the minute you tell them you don't have to stay here you can go out you know and 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 they'll get like sometimes they'll walk out with you like attach themselves to you to get out and go i can get out you know they seem to imprison themselves sometimes um or stuck to you know a car that they died in in a car wreck or stuck to an area you know um i i kind of laugh sometimes it's not funny i don't mean that way just in an odd way of People think, okay, well, graveyards and this and that. And sure, I think that ghosts come to a graveyard, but I don't think they're as stuck there as people think. I think they follow you. When you start calling them or talking to them, they're drawn to that, and then they show up there. That's my. That's just what I think at this time. I think more haunted things, and this, this one actually makes me kind of feel really bad, but I think it's junkyards where the cars are taken. I get more feelings off of places like that where they're just, they don't want to leave that that car because they know the car and the car is moved and they're just wandering around the car, sitting in the car and they don't know what to do. Um, And now of course I don't mean that every car accident, that's not what I mean. I mean some, you know, and that's, that's, that's just terrible. Uh, I can go by corners. I know Steve does this too. Um, Mm -hmm. 
where I know there's been a car wreck and I'll just, uh, I'll say somebody uh, I'm driving with my husband or my son or whatever. And I'll go, oh man, there's, there was a bad car wreck there. I don't know how recent it is, but there's a lot of energy there and it's really erratic. And when I get it erratic, I feel like it's the person that might've been in the wreck or it could be the people that keep going there to wonder over the wreck of somebody they lost. You know, either way, it's a human emotion or energy that's left there. Do you know what I mean? Like right. you'll see those flowers that yeah. somebody just know people are so drawn to that area. They're carrying that with them. So, uh, yeah, it can be, it can be really, uh, harsh at times. You know, you think that all the time about people say, well, is it a gift or is it, a, you know, <laughs> is it a curse? But it, I guess it depends on what you do with it. I've really, really tried to do as much good with it as I can. You know, I, I try to help when I can. And um, I go a little easier now into the situation, like I was saying, in the grocery store or uh, whatever. I had a lady in an airport once. It still breaks my heart to think. And I was in such a hurry. I'm trying to get from one gate to the next. And I had a layover. But, you know, I always panic when I have to get from. You never know where these gates are. You know, it's like it could be on the other side, you know, and I'm like trying to get there. And I got close to it. And. Um, I'm kind of standing around where I needed to be and I'm just coming down off of this high adrenaline and I'm getting it. And here it comes in my right ear. Go tell her. Tell who? Now I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, what was that show? Ghost Whisper where I'm talking to myself. And there's nobody there. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh God. Like tell to who? Who? Who is it? Right over there. And you look and there's all this sea of people sitting in the chairs and I know exactly who the voice is talking about because it's just like I, I can't explain it. It's like it it connects in, like the energy connects in. It's like, you know, I plug something in, you know, to the to wall socket or something. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I'm like, really? You know, now, you know, I'm I'm in a hurry. I gotta do it. And then he's and I'm connecting. I'm trying not to pay attention to her because I know I'm gonna get sucked into this. Because I can feel her sadness, I can feel her depression, I can feel her anxiety and worry, and go tell her, I hear you, I'm listening. Okay. Fine, I'll do it really quick. And I put my stuff down, I grab my suitcase, pick it all up, and I go over to this lady and I stand in front of her. She's sitting in front of me, she's got both her hands on top of a book and she's got her head down. And I mean, you can, she, she, you can tell she's crying everything else. And I'm like, Oh God, now I got to walk up to another stranger and say this. But I worked through all my stuff and I said, ma'am, is there anything I can do to help you look really, um, really upset? Is there anything I can do to help you? And she looked up at me and I can tell she'd been crying. And I said, I am so sorry. Again, I do my same line. I'm so sorry to barge into your day, but does this phrase mean anything to you? Please understand. This is not me saying this. Does this mean anything to you? I hear you. I am listening. And she looked up at me and her eyes got real wide and she reached out and she grabbed my hand. And I could see when she took her hand off the book, she had had her hand on the Holy Bible. Her hands were covering the book on her lap. She reaches up and she grabs my hand. She goes, say that again. And I said, I hear you. I'm listening. Does that mean something to you, darling? And she looked at me. She says, oh, my God. And she, I thought she was going to fall on her knees. I thought she was going to pass out. <laughs> she just, she's got me by both hands. And she's just, she says, 
I just said it. I just said it. I said, ma'am, ma'am, what? What did you just say? She said, why don't you hear me? Why aren't you listening to me? Her son was in an accident. He was in ICU unit. She was on her way to see him. Her husband was in an ICU unit in a hospital. She had to pick and go back and forth in another state. She's in between the two and she's rocked, just wore out. And she said, I just, I, she said, I just yelled at God and said, why don't you hear me? Why aren't you listening? (laughs) So what do you do? Right. (laughs) And at that point, it almost sounds like God's telling you, okay, you need to do this. So it's like, (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, you know, I know that sounds funny. I'm not saying that was God. Oh, it could have right. been like spirit God. It could have been my spirit guide. It could have been her spirit guide could talking to my spirit guide. Right. Could have been anything. Right. But she needed to hear that right now to hang on, to get on that plane, to go through whatever it was she was going to go through and then go back and go through what she was going through again. If it made her moment, you see what I mean? Right. right. And again, I'm just the bridge. I'm absolutely nothing but a tool. And I think a lot of people feel that way that can do this at a much huger scale than I can because I have got really no control. I'm just wandering around for somebody to decide to plug in and give somebody a message. You know, <laughs> I'm not taking any credit for it. I wish I could uh, uh, control it better because, like I said, I'm trying to use it for something else. And it's very frustrating because I'm trying to talk to the dead and I can't hear them if right. they haven't crossed. Isn't the weirdest thing right. when they cross and I can hear them. So I can't explain that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, you know, but I'd sound like an idiot if I did try to explain. I can't. I, I you know, 50 years. There's one I got a big question mark. Who's got no clue? No clue. Well, you know? And I think that's why. Kid it was important for you to get these stories out because I'm sure before you're on that other side, you're going to have a million more stories to tell. So I encourage you to keep going with it. We are getting close to the end of the show. So I wanted to give you guys a chance to tell everybody where they can find you guys, find the books and all that. The, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, the book is We Are All Children in the Wilderness of the Afterlife, A Guided Tour Through a Haunted Life. And it is co-written with Steve Stockton. And he, I think it's kind of neat because I tell my story and then he comes in uh, later and after that chapter and tells his thoughts on that. And that was all done blind. I sent him my chapter and he sent what he sent and we just published it. I, we didn't change a thing. So that's kind of neat. I like that. Of course, I, I, I am also the host of Journey Through the Gate Paranormal Portal podcast, in which uh, Steve is often a co-host. And you can find that on all the podcatchers on Lipson.com and uh, CastBox and all of those and iTunes. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. Over to you, Steve. Okay. Thanks, Cisco. Uh, my books are, are available exclusively on Amazon in only in Kindle format, currently paperback coming soon. Uh, Strange Things in the Woods and More Strange Things in the Woods are my first two books. Those are uh, true stories that I collected firsthand 
from the people that experienced them. A lot of those people long since gone, so their, their stories live on. Then my third book, My Strange World, is a book of my personal experiences. I would often have people ask me when I was relating other people's stories, like, well, what's ever happened to you? And I would tell a story here and there, and, and somebody's like, well, you should write a book of those. And I, I sat down. I didn't really think I had enough to fill a book, and then sure enough, I did. So, yeah, they're exclusively on, on Amazon. Um, you can find me on Facebook, and um, my email address in the back of all my books. I'd love to hear from uh, readers and other people that have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And our book is available, of course, on Kindle in ebook form, too. And Steve and I are working feverishly to try to get it uh, into a form where we can actually get a printed book available. So that is coming as well, you know. And on Facebook, of course, uh, our group is uh, Journey Through the Gate um, Paranormal Portal Podcast Gatekeepers. So come on in there and Justin's on there and Steve's on there and a whole bunch of really good people. And I cannot tell you how much it means to me, Justin, that you read the book, that you enjoyed the book, that you under, you got the idea of the book. It means the world to me, Justin. Thanks yeah, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you had me on, too. I said Cisco did the heavy lifting on this one, but when I finally talked her into writing a book, she says, okay, I'll do it, but you're coming with me. And I was kind of reticent to do that, you know, because I'm like, eh. But I ended up doing, like, color commentary. She would... I'm, you know, go over her chapter and then, well, here's my thoughts or a similar experience or something that I could share and try to add to it without taking anything away from it, which sometimes was hard. It was almost just like, yeah, what she said up there. But then I had to, you know, ex expound a little bit on that. But there there were certain chapters where I really reined myself in just to let her shine, particularly the Gettysburg chapter. If you only read one chapter in the book, read the Gettysburg chapter. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for being on Beyond Reason. Thank you so much, Justin. Good night, everybody. Good night. All right, folks. That was Cisco Murdoch and Steve Stockton, authors of We Are All Children in the Wilderness of the Afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Check out the book, uh, as well as Steve's other books, Strange Things in the Woods, More Strange Things in the Woods, in my strange world. I loved this book, like I said at the beginning, because it's somebody's just it's just somebody's experiences. It's not their expertise on a subject. It's not this is how you find a, a Bigfoot, that sort of a thing. It was their experiences and you know what they did, how things went down. So I encourage everybody to check out the book. Excellent, excellent book. Excellent set of people. And that's all I've got for you guys this week. So make sure you're checking out beyondreason.net. Find me on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, tune in. I'm on Podbean now. Um, anywhere you can find great podcasts, you will find Beyond Reason. So until next week, keep those minds open. This is Justin Kensleri. Signing off. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. 
It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.